Father, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit here this afternoon. We thank you that we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have the potential to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because of what your son Jesus has done on the cross. As we respond in faith, as we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is our Lord and our Savior, Lord, we make ourselves candidates for the reception of your Spirit. And Lord, we thank you that today your Spirit is here with us to reveal to us the glory of your Son Jesus and to enable us through the fruit and gift of the Spirit to live a Christian life which brings glory and honor to your name. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is present in us, Father, to strengthen us in our hour of need and weakness. Lord, the Holy Spirit that is present to bring about holiness and sanctification. Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit which is here to enable us to cry out, Abba, Father to know you as our Father, the one who has redeemed us and adopted us into your family. And Lord, we pray today, Father, that you would stir something in our hearts, that you would stir up a faith in our hearts to believe you in the impossible situations that we're facing right now, a a faith to lay hold of you, Father, to trust that you are gonna bring us through to the other side. Lord, we have great confidence in you. We have had faith which brought forth salvation, and Lord, we now believe you for faith, with faith that you would break through in this situation for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. Wonderful to see you this afternoon. How are you all doing? Everybody doing well? I'm not sure how many of you I've seen since myself and the Bible school came back from the mission trip to Romania. But that was really an amazing and inspirational experience. We went over to work in the eastern part of the country, southeastern, sorry, just by the Black Sea, Constanza County, in a city called Medjidia, but then also in the surrounding villages. And we were joining a pastor there, Pastor Vasilika, who's spoken here at the 2.30 service. And the guy is inspirational. I mean, he was just telling me a little bit about his testimony. He'd prepared, gone to theological, theological training and Bible school. He was preparing to go to America to set up a, mish, uh, a ministry there. And by all accounts, he would have been very successful seeing the kind of guy that he is. But he really felt called by God during a conference. He was there learning about Islam and how we can witness to uh, Muslim believers to bring them to faith in Christ and really the reality of life that's required in, in becoming a, an Islamic missionary or a, a missionary to the Islamic people. And he really felt moved by God. He was like, you know what? I need to do something. I need to do something. And so he looked on the map, where's the most Muslim area of Romania? And he moved himself and his family there. And over the course of 17 years, uh, having started in a church of six people, he's planted 12 churches and built uh, 12 church buildings for the glory of God right there in the surrounding villages. And you sit with them and they're looking at this map on the wall. A hundred villages in the area around the city that need a church. A hundred villages, and we're talking up to 10,000 people per village. A hundred of these villages just sitting there and they're believing God, believing God that we're going to get the finance, we're going to have the pastors, we're going to have the missionaries that we need to plant a church in each one of those villages. And for me, that was such amazing faith because everything they've done is they've, they've done by faith. They would go into a village, they'd drive in and they'd say, well, this bit in the middle of the village probably looks like about the best spot that we could plant a church. Okay, now Jesus, we need the money. That's how it was. They weren't going in with their thousands of resource dollars from an American missions organization or a European missions organization. They were going by blind faith. No, not blind faith, pure faith. Sorry, it's the wrong wrong term, pure faith. And they would sit down, God, I need the money for this bit of land. Up shows the money. 
They buy the bit of land. God, we need the money to start to build the churches. So you know what God does? He sends along a guy, a guy who's got a testimony of having met with God, a guy who was lost on drugs and was, his life had fallen apart. He even lost his mind at some points in time. He comes to Christ and had a miraculous, radical healing. And he comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, what do you need? He says, I need to build a church building here. I need to build a church building there. The guy says, don't worry. He disappears for like three, four months. And he comes back having visited all of the churches that he can find. We are on mission in Constanza County. We need your support. And built church after church. And now he's on his third church where he's just believing God, going out there, partnering with this vision of planting churches. And so just firstly to encourage you that Everyone who's sowing into this mission into Romania, you're sowing into an amazing work. Guys who are giving 12, 13, 14, 15 hours every day, not even taking full days off because they're about missions. They're planting in those areas and believing God to break through. Now, we know that they need to take rests and we encourage them with that, but really inspirational to see them doing that. And I would say that what they're moving in is a gift of faith. A hunger to see a breakthrough in this one county, a place where there's 70% or more unemployment. In all of the 12 churches they planted, only 15 people have a job. We would be surprised to find 15 people in this room who don't have a job, if you leave the students aside, of course. But 15 people with a job, and yet they've believed God, and they've started to see amazing breakthrough. That's a gift of faith in operation. And we find this gift of faith identified in this list that we've been reading, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 11, of the various gifts of the Spirit. Now, these gifts are all of the same Spirit. They come from the one Holy Spirit. They are for the glory of the Lord Jesus in and through His church as He seeks to manifest His Spirit for the common good, for the increase of our experience of God in the church, but also the experience of others who don't yet know Christ through the power of the Spirit. And they are available for every one of you to operate in and to move in as the situation requires. Sometimes we're used to this idea of I need to get the gift of faith or I need to get the gift of healing and now I've got it. I've got it. I've got the gift of healing. Now I've got the gift of faith. I'm going to be moving in it whenever, however I want. All of these are available as and when you need It's not about a possession that you can say, I've got the badge for. It is about the dynamic of your life, making room for the Holy Spirit to operate in and through so that God might be glorified. Now, so far, we've looked at uh, the uh, the three revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. In the next section, after this one we're looking at now, you'll be looking at the inspiration gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. But today and for the next two weeks, we'll be looking at the power gifts, faith healing, and miracles. Now, you might be thinking straight off the bat, well, we've heard all three of those power gifts, words, or descriptives used interchangeably. By your faith, you are healed. It's a miracle. How do we know which one uh, means what? What's interesting here is that they've been identified as individual gifts. Um, So they have elements that are discrete and discernible, but at the same time, they will overlap. We do need faith in miracles. We do need faith in healing. And we'll identify some of those things a bit further as as we go on. But I began today with that specific challenge about the testimony of what's going on in Romania to stir us up. All of us right now have a situation where we need some faith to operate. Amen? We need some faith to see a breakthrough. 
We need some faith to see something changed. All of us need to lay hold of God in a specific and purposeful way in a specific situation and see God break through. And we're going to unpack, is that something that we can do? How can we see the gift of spirit operate, uh, gift of faith operate in our lives? How can we move out? Because some of us need encouragement. Some of us need that lift up. You know, some of us have have adopted the faithful Christian perspective. I'm, I'm just holding on by the skin of my nails. If I let go, I'm finished. You know, Jesus, don't let me go because I've got nothing to hang on with. That little bit of grip you've still got on my hand, please don't release it because I don't want to end up in, in the bottom of a, a pit having struggled and failed and fallen. That's the type of faithfulness that we are exhibiting. But God is calling us to a faithfulness, a conviction, a knowledge that God is going to move in our situation for His glory. Can I get an amen? So what is this uh, faith? What is it that we're talking about and how does it operate? Hebrews 11 verse 1 gives us one of the clearest definitions of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That's verse 1 through 3. Now what's interesting to me about this, this verse is that first line. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The biblical understanding of what faith is, is that it's a hope-filled experience which makes that which is heavenly or otherworldly tangible in this present world. Or to say it another way, the fact that you have faith is a demonstration and a reminder that you have gained a glimpse of God and His kingdom and have evidence sufficient to endure until you see Him in His fullness and in His glory. You have evidence enough to live the rest of your life in the certain knowledge that we will see God. That's what the biblical understanding of faith is. Or to say it a different way, it's very different to the way the world describes it today. A a state of mind, a spiritual conviction. What they say is, I respect your faith and you must respect my faith and other faiths. But what they really mean is, you've checked out your mind You have gone into a spiritual state of conviction that you've convinced yourself that this is the one true God that you worship and God bless you. But this is very different to what the Bible represents as the idea of faith. See, from the biblical perspective, faith is to be understood. The existence of faith in your life towards God is to be understood as scientific validation or a consequence of that which you have already seen and already believed. Now, you might or might not have seen that with your physical senses. You might, not, you might have heard God in an audible voice the day you get sa- got saved, or maybe you felt a still small voice in your heart. But you certainly saw it in a spiritual sense when you reached out by faith and said, you know what, God, I trust in you for my salvation. You saw it by faith. You saw that God's um, forgiveness and redemption in Christ is available for you, and you reached out and you took hold of it. Now that is sufficient evidence of that which is not seen because faith has been birthed in your heart at that point in time when you put your trust in Christ. And when we start to think of faith in that context, it's different to the way that perhaps we've thought about faith in the past. 
Faith for, for some people in the past might have been the idea that, you know, I just have to convince myself. I just have to stir myself up and, you know, God, God can do it. God might even do it for you. I hope he maybe might think about doing it for me. It's sort of this intangible, uncertain faith. What has it got to do with me? But faith is something very real and concrete that is already on the inside of you as a believer. The day you put your faith in Jesus is the day that you started to walk in this faith, a conviction, a certainty, a knowledge, something that is evidential in your life that, you, that proves to you that you will see God and walk with God. Now, faith is something that we can grow in, something that we can become stronger in. In that same verse, it speaks about this faith being that which, by, uh, that which by the elders gained a good testimony. Who's it talking about? It's talking about people like Abraham, people like Moses, people like David. And what I find really interesting about this idea of faith is that, let's think about the men. Think about what they did. We all know them for the great and majestic things that they did, the, the, the testimony of their life, but we also have the record of their failings, their shortcomings. We know that Abraham told a couple of kings that his wife was really his sister. Abraham had sex with his slave, uh, his wife's slave or servant girl so that he could have his firstborn son, Ishmael. There were character issues there which were being played out in this walk of faith. Think about David, the guy who murdered one of his faithful warriors and having had a, an affair with his wife and had a son by this other man's wife. We know that David is the guy that is spoken about. He fulfilled all that the Lord gave him to do. He was a man after God's own heart. Yet we look at the reality, the substance of some of the things that went on in his life. What happened? And this is where it begins to encourage us. This is where it begins to speak into our situation because you might find yourself somewhere right now. You might find yourself dealing with a divorce. You might find yourself dealing with a family breakup. You might find yourself having to deal with the fact of, that you've lost integrity in an area and you've been found out and you're trying to work through this, this uh, challenge of sin in your heart and in your life. Now, this might sound controversial to those that are a bit more legalistic um, than, than you should be, perhaps. If you're in the place of exposure... If you're in the place where you have fallen short, where you have sinned, where you're in a trial, where you're in a test, don't grieve the present loss of your reputation. Don't grieve that sense of failure and shortcoming. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord because faith is operating in you. <laughs> I can't see faith operating in me right now. Well, faith is what's operating to bring about sanctification. Faith is what is operating on God's behalf because He put His Spirit in you. He knew that even if you went through the struggle, you would come out the other side. He had faith in you that you would be sanctified and become a son and daughter that would glorify him in the very substance of your life. Amen? So praise the Lord. Praise him. See, I'm not here to celebrate or even excuse the sin. I'm here to remind you that Jesus has interceded for you, that your faith would not fail regardless of what you're facing right now. You know, if, if love cannot, if we can never be separated from the love of God because of Jesus' overwhelming love for us, imagine this, if Jesus starts to pray for you that your faith wouldn't fail. Imagine if in the trial right now you knew the very truth that Jesus is praying for your faith not to fail. See, the challenge that you're facing right now only serves to underline that God's holy plan will work out. 
because it's faith which gives a testimony which brings glory to God. And it's worked out over the course of your life. See, faith working in your testimony causes the things that are not yet seen, the things which are yet to happen, the intangible quality of events in your future to become so, so that when we view your past, they are tangibly expressed testimonies of the glory of what God has done in your life. Faith is working in those situations. For example, I never set out to become a minister. I don't know if you have known this. Some of you I've told uh, my testimony to in the past. I had no idea what I was even supposed to be. I went to do chemistry at university and thought, you know, okay, now let me go be a bum and go snowboarding for six months of the year and go try, get my, uh, try my hand at surfing, and that didn't work out. And I was, let me go work in finance, let me go work in this. But I had no aspiration, certainly, of becoming a minister. I didn't even dream of becoming a Christian. Yeah, God knew what he was doing in my life when he called me. God knew what he was doing in my life when he set me to serve Colin Dyer, the senior minister of this house. Six years of carrying his bags and making his lunch and driving his car and making cups of coffee and all that kind of amazing stuff. God knew what he was doing. Amen. And so now I find myself here and I look back and I think, wow, God had faith. God really had faith. (laughs) When I had no idea what was going to happen. Faith is what is required for us to see the world in its reality as something that has been created by God. So it is by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were not seen, uh, things which are seen were made, not made of things which are visible. This is a reality that we, when we perceive this world by faith, we start to see the complexity. See, what is, amazes me is the, the intelligence, the quality of mind that we have in the world today in our educational institutes. And yet they can look at the highest degrees of order, complexity, integration across different ecosystems, whether they be human-centered or animal-centered. They could see such amazing detail and still say, this is evolution. It's ridiculous. I mean, the power of the mind and that can see something so plainly created and still believe that it's evolved from, by accident. Challenging. It's by faith that we know and perceive the truth of the amazing creation that's around us. If you look at your hand and just observe how it works and still walk away from that short encounter with your hand, believing that it's an accident, then I suggest that maybe you need a bit of faith injection in your way that you view your world. And if you have faith, you are rich. You have all that you need. You have all that you need. What is it that we believe then when we start to talk about faith? Faith is substance. Faith is evidential. But what is it that we have faith in? We have faith in God. We have faith in the one who is able to do something supernatural, something that is impossible, something like create you and create me, something like create this world, create this universe, something where he brings order where there's disorder, something where he brings healing out of a place of brokenness, something where he brings order out of chaos when you know that everything is stacked against you and suddenly find yourself on top because of the goodness of God. Now God is the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, 
or imagine. And he calls us to know him, the limits of his power, which are unlimited, the limits of his ability as we walk in relationship with him by faith. And the reality is, if we want to even talk about seeing the supernatural realm, if we want to start to talk about seeing what God can do, we can only enter into it by faith. What do you mean? Well, in Romans 4.16, we have the example of Abraham, the, the first, uh, a, a prototype, the first Christian, if you will, um, who entered into a walk of, God, of faith with God so that he might see his grace. It says in verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. What does that mean? The law, you can try and live the law. The experience of this world, you can live it out every day. You can be bound by the limitations of all of the scientific laws that we know, whether it's in the area of physical health or in the area of movement or the area of thermodynamics, all of those different kinds of things. That's all law bound and understood and observable and measurable. But this realm of grace, the realm where God does what only he can do, the only way we get to participate, the only way we get to enter in is by faith. And this Abraham, who believed so that he might receive this grace, he stood in the presence of the God whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This faith that we enter into with God is a faith in God who can do impossible, impossible things. And that faith is observing what he starts to do. It is seeing his word accomplish that for which it is sent. It is, in some sense, not something that we can fully apprehend in our human experience, but we can see what he has done in the product, in the fruit. Now, faith. Do all of us have faith? I hope you have faith. That's why you're here today. Amen? And some of you, if you haven't got faith, then we'll make an appeal for you to receive faith today. Faithful salvation, all of us have experienced that. That's distinct and different to this gift of faith that we're speaking about today. But all of us experienced this faith when we believed God. We said, Jesus, you know what? I trust you and your salvation. I trust that you have died for me. I trust that your resurrection and the extension of your gift to me means that I can walk in relationship with my Father who is in heaven. Now, it's this same faith that we experience in saving faith. It's the same type of believing God, but it is a distinguishable, distinct gift. Now, the faith that we're talking about with regard to salvation is conceived in you by a specific means. This faith for you to know God, this faith for you to walk with God. And it's spoken about in Romans 10 verse 8. The word is near to you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Faith arises in our heart. The moment we hear what God has said, as you continue reading down to verse 17, at the moment we hear God's word and believe it and confess it with our hearts, and confess it with our mouths. I remember the day that I made a decision to follow Jesus. It was um, 
mixed up in a, in a decision to leave behind the life that I was living. But the day that I said, you know what, Jesus, this makes complete sense, was a, a time when I was uh, sitting here in the church with a whole lot of baggage in my life, different violence problems, alcohol problems, all of that kind of stuff, uh, debt problems, sitting here in the church, and I said, God, Jesus, I believe that word. And the word was this, that when we are saved by faith in Christ, we are elevated to sit with Christ in heavenly places. That was the word that spoke to my heart because I needed some elevation. <laughs> if you were to see me in the context of my life at that point in time, I was pretty well down, depressed, under stacks of stuff. It took a lot of lifting out all of these big blocks to find who I was at the bottom of that pile. But believing God that he's made a place for us to sit with Christ in the heavenly places because of that amazing work of salvation. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because every other God you hear about, you're at the bottom of the pile, start digging your own way out. You've got to deal with that smoking problem. You've got to deal with that alcohol problem. You've got to deal with that gambling problem. You've got to deal with your, your girlfriends or boyfriends. You've got to deal with that problem with your family. Okay, now you need to start praying five or six or seven times a day. Now you need to start giving certain amounts of money. Now, now maybe you might just be okay. Maybe you've just made it to ground zero. Okay, now do that for the rest of your life. And um, you better hope that God remembers to forget all of the stuff that you did before when it comes to that day, that judgment day. Every other religion teaches us that we have to improve, improve by spots to get to where we need to go. But Jesus, Jesus has taken us out and seated us with Christ in heavenly places the moment we put our faith in Jesus. I was like, that's the God that I serve. No limitation of sin could stop Christ raising us to be seated with him in heavenly places. And I said, that's God. Only God can do that. If you need me to do my own work of digging my way out, you know God. And so I sat there and I said, you know what? I'll believe that word. I believe that promise of Christ. And that's when suddenly something transformed my heart. Just that day sitting here in one of the services. And then from that point on, and you know what? I did have to struggle with dealing with all of the issues, but I struggled with dealing with the issues from a different perspective, that I was in Christ, that I was beloved by God, and that I could overcome all of these things. I didn't have to quit drinking on my own strength. You know what it was? God called me an idiot one day. The next day, I was free from alcohol. I've told you that one, so no need to tell you that one again. But for me, that was an experience of what God can do, what God can do. And we want to invite you today, if you need Christ, if you need that inception of faith in your life, you need to uh, lay hold of a God who can do the impossible, we want to give you an opportunity right now to do that. And the way that we do that is very simple. It's just a faith reaching out. It's raising a hand. It's saying, God, I want this. I want you. I want to know you. I want to know the God of the, of the universe, the one who created everything, the one who knows the beginning and the end. That's the God I want to know. So we want to just pray as a church together. I want to ask you to bow your heads. And at the end, if you need Jesus today, I want to invite you to raise your hand as a sign of faith, laying hold of Christ. All of us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. We thank you that you provided your son for us to, to die in our place, to forgive us of our sin, and to bring us into a relationship with you. And we know that we can reach out and lay hold of it today. 
by faith, believing you. So today, Lord, we reach out and we take hold of your hand and take hold of your promise and believe you for your salvation. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, we want to encourage you to do something really bold, to raise your hand in the air and say, you know what, I need Jesus today. Is there anyone here that would like to do that? Stick your hand up in the air and say, I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? It's great to have a couple of you put your hands up. That's amazing. I hope that you lay hold of that, Jesus, in faith. We're going to pray for you at the end of the service. If that's all right, I'll keep an eye out for the two of you. Uh, But really encouraged. Let's give the Lord a, a praise offering for that. Amen. Now, how do we grow in faith? Is it something that we can grow in? Yes, absolutely. We can grow in faith by starting to take God at his word and be obedient to his word. God looks to see how we deal with the small things as we begin to walk with him. He looks to see how we handle them, how we steward them. An example might be money. How do you start to handle and steward your money as a Christian? God observes such things. How do you start to steward your time? How do you start to steward your life? Are you seeking to do things for the glory and honor of God? When you're reading through your Bible, it's not to say you have to read through all the Bible to get it right there and then, but as you're going through your word for the first time, first couple of times, you find something jumps out to you. You find that there's uh, something on this word specifically. Maybe you feel a conviction about uh, blasphemy, you using the name of the Lord in vain all the time. Or maybe you find conviction about the way that you're speaking to people. There's words of hatred that come out of your heart and you start to think, you know what, I need to deal with this thing. As you're faithful in that small thing, God watches. And when he sees you be obedient in that area, he begins to progress you and he begins to give you more to operate in in your life. It is something that you can grow in as you start to sow the seeds of faith in the areas that the Holy Spirit challenges you, in the areas where he grows you. And it's possible for that to happen in times of abundance as well as in times of lack. Sometimes, just as a side thought, sometimes people have this thing, I need to be at the bottom of the stack before I'm going to be able to practice true faith. If you're here and you've seen the blessing in your life, you've seen abundance in your life, or you've built up from ground zero and now you find yourself at a place where God has done something in your life and you're comfortable, you can stretch your faith in these places. You don't have to lose everything and go back to ground zero and start again to build up your faith. Start to believe God where you're at. Start to believe God with what he's given you. Maybe say, God, you know what? I'm going to start to give more. Or God, I'm going to put myself in a place where I am, for example, serving in the house of God for a couple of days or even give, give up my job for a couple of months or a couple of years to come and serve in the house of God because I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my faith by tithing and giving 30%, 40%. I want to grow in my faith by giving some of my time to go serve the homeless. Whatever it is, you can grow in your faith right where you're at. So this is for you exactly where you find yourself, whether you're at the bottom or at the top in terms of Uh, the situation of your life presently. But what then is this specific gift of faith that we're talking about? Because we've addressed the idea of saving faith and continuing faith, growing in faith um, on a daily basis. But what is this gift of faith that we're talking about here? And I was just talking with Colin about some of the testimonies of gifts of faith that he's experienced. An example he was talking about during a mission that he'd gone uh, to Africa 
and they were in a place that was miles from anywhere, and they'd set up a, a system with lights and a small uh, microphone system to preach the gospel in the center of this village, and they were powering it by a generator. Um, you know, we experienced this first, I experienced this firsthand when we were in Zimbabwe once on a mission. Um, they, they had the generator, they were running it for the electricity for this whole big conference, and they just watched it and said, well, we'll wait till the petrol's finished, then we'll go buy petrol. You know, that was the way they approached. So instead of having a stock of, of petrol right next to it to pour in when it had emptied, they just waited till it finished and, okay, conference stop, let's go, go get petrol and let's come back. But in this situation where Colin was at, there was no petrol station down the road. There was no, let's just go and pick up extra petrol and load it into the, to the, to the uh, generator. All they had was this crazy thing called faith. So you know what they did? In the name of Jesus, we command you, <laughs> generator, to start working. And as long as they were praying, the generator worked. And as long as they were not praying, the generator stopped. I was like, man, that's, that's some faith. That's some faith. Now, that's an example of a gift of faith, but what, what is it indicating towards? What is it pointing towards? It's when you find yourself in an impossible situation, when you maybe find yourself in a crisis, maybe when you find yourself in a difficult situation that in your own human strength, you would have no strength to get through it, endure, make it to the other end, or even see anything happen. And I know that all of you are facing stuff like that right now. Maybe you're facing people, facing a situation where it's really oppressive at work. You're the only Christian and you've made a decision. You know you're called by God to be in that place of work. You made a decision. You're going to live for the glory of Jesus. And yet every day, oh, these Christians and you have your Muslim uh, co-workers praying five times a day. Um, you have other people criticizing you for your faith. You have the atheists coming and telling you you're an idiot. And you're like, oh my God. You need a gift of faith to operate in that situation. Amen. Maybe you're at home, you're the only Christian in your family, you're wrestling with brother or sister or parents or husband or wife who don't have the same faith and you're like, I believe in God for them to be saved. You need a gift of faith in that situation, amen? Maybe you are needing the generator to work. Maybe you're at the end of your finance and you're like thinking, oh my God, there's another 14 days till the next paycheck. I gotta believe God right now. That's when you need that gift of faith to kick in and start operating. Maybe you're struggling right now with a various sickness or, or illness or maybe struggling with mental health and you're like, God, I just want to get through to the other side. You need a gift of faith. You need something to sustain you and encourage you in that situation and believe God in that situation. And this is what happens. It's when God gives you a word. It's when God speaks to you. It's when God encourages you. It's when God makes that which is impossible become possible because he's there with you right in the middle of that situation. Think about the, the paralytic who had four good friends. Those four good friends were operating in the gift of faith when they picked up his stretcher, when they carried him down to see Jesus, when they broke open the hole in the roof and they lowered Jesus, uh, him down in front of Jesus and Jesus said, by your faith. That gift of faith was in operation. There was something stirred in the hearts of those four believers, those four friends. Think about that Syrophoenician woman, the one who, whose daughter was ill and sick. And she's debating with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, in a nice way, get lost. But she had that gift of faith. No, 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 you're the one. You're the one who's going to heal my daughter. And she kept believing God. She kept pressing in. And she got that word. That word was spoken and her daughter was raised up. Or think about the centurion's servant. The same deal. 
There was such faith in operation as he sent his servant to come and tell Jesus that his other servant was sick. That guy gets healed at the word of Jesus. A gift of faith in operation. We start to see how this can work in our lives. Perhaps you find yourself in a situation where you need something to begin to change. It's impossible. You're looking at it and you need God to speak. For me, one of the areas where I've experienced uh, a gift of faith in operation is every time I stand up to preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, it maybe seems like an odd example, but for me, I know as a minister, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, then I got nothing. I, mean, I, can, I know I can talk a lot, and I know I can make things sound good. But when you're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you're talking about when Jesus needs to come and take people and dunk them in the Holy Spirit in a way that changes their life forever, I can't manufacture that. I can't make that happen. Every time I'm like, God, you've been there in the past and I believe you. I believe that today you're going to take these people and you're going to dunk them in the Holy Spirit. For me, I have to rely on the Lord in that situation. That's one of the areas where I've seen a gift of faith in operation. And praise be to God, something like 95 or 96% of the people I pray for do receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For me, that's an amazing, whew, but... It's only because God shows up, amen? Or in personal situations, dealing with financial scenarios, God, we need money for this, we need money for that. One of the amazing testimonies for me and Rebecca was our wedding was fully paid off and our honeymoon was fully paid off and we don't know how it happened. Can't even go, go back and do the sums and you're like, how did that happen? Where did that money come from? Where did that money come from? Where did that money come from? But it all shows up at exactly the right time when we need it, Amen? So all of us need faith to begin to operate in our situations, a special gift of faith with the things that we're facing. Now, it is a little bit distinguished from miracles and distinguished from healing in the sense that faith undergirds and intermeshes with the other two, but it has its expression. Its expression is we watch what God does in a situation. The word that he's given us strengthens us to go through. But miracles, for example, miracles might be where we work with God for it. So Jesus feeding the 5,000, he put the bread in the hands of the disciples and as they were breaking that bread, that was something happening in their hands. There was action, there was participation, there was a development of a miracle in that situation. Whereas healing is slightly different. Healing might be a, uh, a correction that is brought through the laying on of hands or it might be through the speech declaration to uh, a body to line up into divine order. So healings operate in different contexts, which are slightly distinguished to the operation of faith, which affects things outside of the body. It affects situations, money, provision, circumstances. And I always ask myself a question, how is faith different from stubborn-headedness? Got any stubborn people here today? Yeah? I hope so. Faith is a stubbornness in God. It's believing God. It's... I know that God can do it. Everyone else will come and tell you he can't. Everyone else will say, you know, God isn't able to, what do you stop praying, stop believing God? And it's a stubborn headedness that puts you in a place where you're like, I have no one else to trust. I got God I can trust. Thank you for your opinion, but I can't trust you to help me in this situation, but I can trust God to help me in this situation. 
That's faith. It's a bit of stubborn-headedness, but I want to unpack it. There's something a little bit distinct that's separate we need to address, and I'll come back to that in a second. Because faith will bring forth changes in your character. Faith will bring forth changes in your walk. What do I mean by that? Well, first, faith and, uh, as a gift will work hand-in-hand hand with the fruits of the Spirit. It will grow, both will grow at the same time. We'll see the development of the fruit as, alongside the development of the gifts because they work together, they intermesh together. But it will begin to affect your thinking. One of the things that I learned very quickly when I came to, well, actually not very quickly. I understood very quickly that I needed to learn this, but it took me probably about two or three years to learn it, is there is no such thing as impossible. Just in the mindset that I was raised with and the, the people that I grew up with, certain things were impossible. You just didn't even try to do it. You convinced yourself it wasn't possible before you even explored how it might be done. Oh, too complex. You have to speak to this person, that person, that person, that person. It's not going to work out. Or you have to have this qualification that, 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 to get to there. Or you have to have this amount of favor to get this, to get that door open, to get to that place. Ah, oh, can't be done. Can't be done. Sorry. And then imagine coming to work for Colin Dye as a little 25-year-old guy and, and say, I want you to do this. And I look back and go, uh, can't be done. What do you mean it can't be done? I'll get someone else to do it then. And I'd watch someone else do it. And come back the next time. Can you do this? Can't be done. Uh, it needs to be done. There's no one else to do it. <laughs> you have to do it this time. Oh. Fine. Can't be done. I'd be whispering under my breath as I walk away. And yet I have to find ways to make it happen. Because the next day, what have you done about that? Uh, uh, I got tired of saying, uh, uh. so I was like, I've done it. This is done, that's done, that's done. Had to deal with it because it changes the way that we think, right? When we start to operate in the realm of faith, we can't be people of faith and then not believe in God. Yes, I believe you, Jesus, but, you know, I'm just going to make some arrangements over here. I'm trusting you for the provision that I need for my rent, but, you know, just over here, I'm going to, I saw a bit of money left in that room. I'm just going to take that off this friend. And this friend, you know, they owe me money, but I'm going to charge them interest, so let me take that out of their pocket. And this person over here, you know, I'm just, and this little dodgy business deal, you know, the, bin, the phone that my friend found in the bin that I can now sell on for 250 pounds because it's brand new, you know, that kind of stuff. Or do we believe God? Right? It has to change our thinking. God, I trust you, but I'm afraid and I can't believe you and I'm completely bound up in insecurity. But God, I trust you. It has to start a change the way that we think. It has to start a change that which is going on in our heart. As we operate in faith, we begin to gain confidence in what God can do. And we say, you know what? That which is impossible is now possible. It affects your disposition so that you start to see things half full rather than half empty. That your speech so that no corrupt word comes out of your mouth. It changes your affiliation so that you're confidently on God's side, not dabbling around which side you might be finding yourself in. And now we come to this thing that I wanted to address a little bit because I really believe that it's important. It's faith is different to fear and anxiety about a situation. Sometimes when people get sick, sometimes people find themselves at the bottom of a situation, sometimes they're wrestling with cancer or wrestling with, uh, uh, what's that word, bankruptcy. They are so afraid of that thing that they just say, God has to do it. 
They so don't want to have cancer. They so don't want to go bankrupt. They don't, so don't want to end up in this broken situation that they just say, God has to do it. God's the only one who can do it, so he has to do it. But what is it that's driven you to that place of God has to do it? It's a fear and anxiety about being in the place of sickness. It's a cotton wool faith. It's a, it's a denial of the mountain that we face in front of us. You see, faith sees the mountain and then commands it to be cast into the sea. Let's unpack this a bit further. We sometimes believe that God just has to do it because God doesn't permit harm. Does he? God doesn't permit bad things to happen to us. Does he? If we want to live in that kind of a world, let's wait till we get to heaven. We all live in the real world, I hope. And in the real world, Jesus lets stuff happen. Think about Peter, Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. In other words, I'm not, never going to do anything like that because you're going to help me, aren't you? Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny th three times that you know me. Why did Jesus pray for his faith not to fail? Why didn't Jesus just pray for him not to get tempted by the devil? When we are joining the dots between a challenge that we face ourselves, don't ever shortcut God. I'm here, this is my situation, I want to be there, so God just has to make me get there because I don't want to be there. No, it's I see this mountain, but I see the God who's greater than the mountain. And I believe that God who's greater than the mountain and he's going to help me get through. It's very, very different. We run from a situation from fear, but we never connect with God by faith. And we need to connect with God by faith so that we can get the breakthrough. I'm not saying that we should cause cancer to become our best friend. No. I'm not saying that we should love bankruptcy. No. What I am saying is when you're in that situation, don't just run from the situation. Lay hold of God in faith and expect Him to do something right there where you are. See, this kind of faith is the faith that recognizes that God is able. God, faith always has a context, a source. It is the God who works in our hearts for his glory. And finally, that faith which we walk in must grow to the place where it consumes everything. Faith is our utter conviction. Faith that transcends our superficial needs. I just need a meal today. Faith that transcends our logical need. I have need to get from here to there today. Faith that transcends our critical needs. What are your critical needs today? Maybe you believe so much that you need to get married, that you're willing to violate your faith in order to get married. Maybe you believe so much that you need to get to the top of the corporate ladder that you're willing to violate your integrity to get there. Maybe you believe your critical need is so strongly in the area of money and wealth that you will do whatever it takes to get there, even if it includes violating your faith. No, this faith must take root in the depth of our being so that whatever situation we find ourselves in, we would seek to live for his glory. Amen? So I come to the end of the presentation today with some final thoughts. 
Faith is generous because we believe God, the God who's able. Peter looked at the man and said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. Get up and walk. And this lame man jumped up and walked. I don't have much to give to you in the sense of financial blessing or time, but I can point to a God today who can come and walk with you in the situation who can stir up faith in you for the situation that you're facing, can release you to see a breakthrough in your situation today. So I want to pray for you. Is that all right? If you have a situation where you want and you need God to get involved, and you want to see God release to you what you need to get through this situation, to get through the challenge that you're facing, I want to encourage you to stand. And we'll stand together and we'll spend some time with God and believe that he would release um, a gift of faith for you this afternoon. Just lift up your hands to the Lord Jesus. Lift up your hearts to him. Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit here this afternoon, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. us to bring us to life from death, 
The same Spirit that worked in us to bring us to salvation from the place of brokenness. That same Holy Spirit that caused that which was not to be created, that which was not perceived in this world to become form. Lord, we lift up our hearts to you and we ask you for that Holy Spirit that is in us, the one that raised Christ from the dead, to bring forth a gift of faith in our hearts, Jesus. A gift of faith to believe you, Father, where we have felt like we are going under, where we have felt like Peter drowning in the waves, that gift of faith which causes us to reach out afresh and lay hold of you, Jesus, and to trust you that you're going to bring us through this situation. Jesus, let's start just pray in tongues before the Lord right now. to know this but there are always people looking for jobs always people believing God for jobs what I want to challenge you on with that today is not to see the job as the fulfillment of your situation if I just get the job I'll be okay if I just get the job I'll be sorted but to, in this situation where God has allowed you to be that your faith would be stirred up. That your faith would be stirred up. That you would go to the next level in the situation as you believe in God. That you would understand that it is God that provides. That you would understand that it is God that makes a way for you. You would understand that it is for His glory. Not just so you can feel good and secure about the job, but that you can glorify Him in the place. So let's pray for those people that need that. That a gift of faith would be awakened in them to stay the course in this situation and that they would draw near to God. They would draw near to Him at a difficult time and that they would know Him in their situation. Father, we lift up, Father, those that are believing You for a job right now. We believe You, Father, with them, alongside them, Lord. That You'd stir up faith in them. Lord, we remember that the promise of God over us is that You would provide our needs according to Your riches and glory. But Lord, we want those needs to be met in a way which brings You glory and honor. And so Lord, we ask You, Father, for faith, Lord God, to lay hold of You. Lord, that there would not be a compromise on integrity to get a job or a compromise on their trust in you to get a job, Father, but for you to be all in all for them and that they would lay hold of you and have faith to believe you right the way through until it's time for them to go back to work. And in the meantime, that you would provide according to your riches and glory, that they would never see lack, that they would never see hunger, that you would be right there with them for your glory, Jesus. We want to pray with those of you who are in, in impossible situations. You've got an unbelieving partner or real trouble in the home and you are just believing God. We want to pray alongside you and encourage you right now because you need a gift of faith to get through in that situation. Father, right now we lift up all of those that are struggling right now in home situations, struggling with unbelieving partners or violent partners, Lord God. And Lord, they're looking to you and they're hanging on to you and they're wondering how they move forward, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would give them a gift of faith, Father, to 
Give them strength to walk forward and walk through as they're seeking you for the answers, as they're seeking you for the wisdom, as they're seeking you for the way out, as they're seeking you for provision. Lord, that you would move mightily by this gift of faith. Lord, to give them a heart that is not going to give up, to give them a heart that is going to keep pressing forward, to give them a heart that believes you in the face of impossibilities, that believes you in the face of impossibilities, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We want to pray finally for those that have a financial belief that they are needing God for, believing God for a financial breakthrough, something that they know that they need for his glory and for their situation we want to pray into that and believe God with you maybe you have a big debt that you're trying to pay off and you've been faithfully tithing faithfully believing God maybe you've got a big expense coming up maybe you're trying to move into a property or maybe you're trying to uh, pay for a child and maternity cover whatever it might be let's believe God Father we lift up every person Lord that is standing by faith we know Father the the the, the reality of, of the financial situation right now. But Lord, we thank you that as faith-filled people that are tithing in the house of God, Lord, that we are in a covenant relationship with you. We are walking with you. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we release that spirit of faith to the hearts of your people, that they would believe you, that they would get up in the morning and they would get up at night and they would be like, God, I'm believing you. I'm believing you. I'm believing you for the cancellation of this debt. I'm believing you for the supernatural provision we need for our family. I'm believing you for the supernatural provision I need for the purchase of this house. I'm believing you for this expense, whatever it is, if it's a car for work, if it's a a wedding preparation, whatever it might be. Lord, we believe you that you would do something supernatural. If we're believing you for our accommodations, Lord, that you would do something supernatural, Father. Lord, as we walk by faith, we'd start to see the flow of grace. So we'd start to see the flow of your abundance, Lord. We're faithfully walking with you, putting our trust in you with our tithes and offerings, Lord God, and seeking to prove you. And Lord, we believe that you will move out and move for your glory in this situation. Lord, that you'd release the faith in us to believe you for that situation to be transformed, turned around, Lord. Lord, we give you all the glory for what you're going to do give you all the glory for what you're going to do. Finally, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we will see what we've believed you for, Lord. Thank you that as we've trusted you and you've spoken something to our hearts, or you've released a word of encouragement to us this afternoon, we thank you that we will see it. And we lay hold of you. We don't run with fear or anxiety. We run with faith. We believe you, Lord God, that you are exceedingly able to do more than we ask or think. And Lord, we look to giving you the testimony. We thank you for that opportunity that we'll have to praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise.